Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, it cares Levert. It's cold. Levert. Back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday. Shot clock down to six. Finds Warren. Welcome to another edition of the Indy Cornrows Podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. And of course, read us over Indy Cornrows. Always want to hear from you and get your feedback. Really psyched today to be joined by a good friend of mine and, of course, friend of the pod, Dave Searle from over at the Fieldhouse. Dave, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. Um, play, play, play a little pickup basketball for the first time in years. So uh, I, I forgot the, uh, uh, the wooden uh, rules of success. The, the, the very first rule, which is... You know, uh, double up your socks and and, and, and <laughs> tie your t- shoes really tight. I forgot about that part of playing basketball, and so I wore kind of uh, regular running shoes, and they were oh, loose. No. And so I've got, I got, I'm in blister city right now. I, I just, uh, it's it's been that long since I played. I just forgot about that part of it. So uh, made one too many cuts, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah, but it was good. It was good to get some shots of it. I mean, you know, I, they left me wide open. Uh, which is, you know, uh, a little humiliating, but um, I, I did take the shots, and that's all you can ask for. That's part of the battle, man. At least they have yeah. to know. They know that you're there. So yeah, I, and I, and I, I, cl- I grabbed a little rim too, so I, I feel pretty good about that. It just, just like Gogo, you're just gonna keep shooting until it goes <laughs> in, and it's uh, eventually it will. It's probably the prettiest jumper in the gym. It just, uh, you know, it's not hitting right now. Just like Gogo, I get that all the time. <laughs> like, are you yeah. Gogo? Are you Gogo? You might be Gogo. I mean, you're six foot four, so you're close enough. <laughs> That's getting there. Uh, only a few inches off from 6'11", so yeah. it can't be too far. Uh, no, the last time that I actually hooped, I ruined my favorite pair of shoes. and It was awful. I yeah. went to play with just a bunch of guys who really don't play basketball, so I was like, oh, it won't matter. I won't go that hard. That was wrong. I, I dove for, like, balls and stuff. It was I, I have a problem with that. But I uh, – what were they? They were, like – I love Jordans, personally, but not, like, high-top Jordans. I like low-top – like, some of the new, like, just athletic wear Jordans are cool. I like those a lot. But they're expensive, and I only get, like, one pair of shoes a year, which sounds so bougie uh, when you put it like that. But, like, point being, <laughs> this is, like, this is like my one pair of shoes for that year. Sure, sure, sure. All right, going to be really careful with these. I just moved too quick laterally, and they couldn't contain themselves, and I pulled a Zion, and my foot just, like, went out the side of my shoe as I slid with somebody. And, uh, yeah, so that was, that was the last time I hooped, and uh, it's probably going to be a while before I do it again because I'm just uh, too – worried of uh destroying my shoes but it's a, that happened to uh that happened to matt bonner do you remember that see it's it. i'd rather compare myself to zion than matt <laughs> to be completely honest but now that now that we're there maybe i am closer to matt, matt bonner than zion, but you know, he's uh he had a shoe sponsorship with uh, new balance oh yes so... i definitely want to be more what like zion than matt, matt <laughs> some of the new balance shoes are actually kind of cool now that Kawhi's, uh, Kawhi's there, but Puma's yeah. really been taking over. I don't know if you've seen the Puma stuff, but like Puma's legit. They actually like have good basketball shoes now. I know some of my friends who are bigger with hoops, um, at least with shoes, because I just, I mean, dude, I can't afford to be invested in basketball shoes because that's like a whole other thing. Yeah, but I don't, I don't really uh, keep up on sneakers anymore. I'm in the market for some now that I have blisters on my feet. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, uh, Puma, it's the brother of uh, – 
Mr. Adidas, they were they were brothers and they started separate companies. So, you know, hopefully a little bit of that uh, Adidas basketball shoe expertise is a swapping stories at Christmas, maybe picking up a few tips, you know, yeah. eventually that's going to uh, bleed through and uh, make them uh, put up a quality basketball sneaker. Yeah, definitely, man. I agree. Um, well, all right. So just to get started today, I know uh, you had actually brought up that, that you wanted to talk about something on pod. I know a little bit, but let's mm-hmm. let's just dive into it. What are what do you want to dive into today, man? Well, yeah, you know, because I had seen that you talked quite a bit on Twitter. You've mentioned this several times about and, you know, I, I want to let kind of you serve it up mm-hmm. in, in your own words. But basically the idea that, you know, individual players are kind of who they are. They have certain individual quirks and they have certain things that they do on a court. And we sometimes lose sight of all of that and reduce people to not not just a stat line. That's not fair, but like kind of like a a strategy, like how effective is this person towards winning games? And if it's not 100 percent optimized, then nothing that they do matters. And how that does a disservice to the sport of basketball, like in the appreciation of the sport of basketball, that that's gone too far um, in that direction. And, um, uh, and I thought that was an interesting topic. I think about that a lot. And I think it's very funny in a way to see where we are now from when, like, I started my podcast 10,000 years ago, whatever that was, <laughs> how differently that's it's, – it's sort of gone. You know, the, the human race, way, yeah. human culture is a pendulum. And it started way in one direction and it feels like it's in the other direction. And I think that that's interesting. So serve it up to you a little bit and kind of want to dive into that. Cause I think it's um, one of the more interesting things to talk about basketball. Right now. Yeah. Um, we can definitely relate to the Pacers too, because I think there's, there's stuff that can come in with there. A lot of it for me actually is just like trying to be an, a national analyst and viewing everything around basketball. Like I grew up, uh, two of my favorite players like obviously I love Danny Granger is probably my favorite basketball player of all time like I love J.O. um but like my guys that I watched all the time growing up were DeMar DeRozan and Rudy Gay and uh <laughs> those are two good ones <laughs> yes those are perfect examples to bring up like Rudy Gay for when he was in Toronto was like the worst stretch of his career by far and this is, I mean, I believe this was reported. Um, I don't have who reported it because this came out in like what, like that, that was like 2013, 2014. Um, so, I mean, he, he vehemently uh, was against stat sheets being in the locker room because of how often it was talked about that he was not an efficient player and that it was tanking the Raptors season. Um, and it's funny too, because that that's the kind of thing that's happened a lot with DeMar as well. Like, um, you know, a lot gets brought up with them. It's actually really interesting because DeMar's had one of the better seasons of his career this year, but people just haven't noticed it as much because the Spurs have been, I mean, first of all, it's, it's San Antonio. So people are, San Antonio is like, they feel very much Pacers South to me, except a lot more winning um, at the highest sure. level. It helps when you have Tim Duncan, believe it or not, but. Um, they're one of the great dynasties of NBA history. Exactly. And it still feels like they're a small market team. That's how yeah. much it matters. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's the kind of thing that, that really, I don't want to like, I understand the importance of efficiency and, and winning. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot more that, that matters to basketball to me than winning. Like um, the amount of times that I, I threw on a game and watched Rudy Gay, you know, face up from, from 18 feet out and drive, have an awesome slam 
or just had you know hit some kind of post fadeaway. Uh, watching Demar work from the mid range and and just like he he moves so fluidly. Like there's something about the aesthetic of the game that matters, and it's not it shouldn't just be about efficiency and um, like it's important. Like again, I never want to throw out that it's important. Like I understand the importance of winning, but I do think we overshadow that sometimes, and a, a lot of times it gets put on with Rudy and DeMar, like it's a little bit different for DeMar because he was an all-star. I do think I've, this is my, my hot take always is that uh, one of Rudy's years in Sacramento, he should have been an all-star over Dirk because Dirk just got grandfathered in multiple times and it was annoying to me. Um, and, but I mean, he was on a winning team and, you know, it just depends on on how you view it. But like, that's part of the thing with like DeMar DeRozan. Um, I mean, he led him and Kyle Lowry to me are just like synonymous. I always think of it in terms of being a symbiotic relationship instead of trying to say one guy was better than the other. Cause I think that's just a fruitless argument. Most of the time, like counting stats really don't mean shit in terms of what we're trying to debate. It's just like DeMar's probably having a harder time. If it's just him, Kyle Lowry's not getting you there. If it's just him, like it's, it's two guys working together. Um, and we just have this tendency to throw out, like, I mean, he was part of the greatest Raptors team of all time. Of course, they don't end up winning a championship, but he averaged for like 27 points per game on league average, true shooting. To that just point. A, yeah. The greatest to that point, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To that point, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And um, like that. So it makes it like it makes it it makes a difference. And but then, you know, they lose to LeBron in the finals. I mean, not the finals, Eastern Conference finals. So everyone's like, oh, well, DeMar sucks, DeMar this, DeMar that. And, yes, he hasn't been good in the playoffs. Um, he's never really been good in the playoffs. He's always struggled there. Uh, but I just think you can't throw out what a guy does during the regular season, even if it's not at the quote-unquote highest level. Like, some of the things that I've gotten the most out of in watching basketball happen, you know, on those teams that aren't at the highest level. Like, this year – I've loved watching the Charlotte Hornets more than just about any team in basketball. And they're not, I mean, they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs if they make the playoffs. Um, but like, that doesn't mean that it doesn't matter what they're doing. Like maybe it's not perfect, but I don't know. I guess. So that's where I really come from on it because it just, yeah. uh, it bothers me how much we like rewrite a guy's career um, or have just the, like these, all of our own analysis and everything baked into what they're doing when we don't take into context a lot of things like Rudy Gay's never been on a good basketball team outside of like, you know, the couple of years in Memphis, like they were solid, but I mean, he's part of the reason that they ended up being the grit and grind Grizzlies is because they transitioned away from him and move him to Toronto. Um, like, I, I don't know. I just think that there's something to being good, but not great. And we really discount that. Like you're either the best role player or the best star or you, you don't matter, or you, you don't, you, what you do doesn't matter enough. Like um, scalability. I don't know if you, I'm sure you're familiar with the term, like how a guy scales to winning. I think it's important, but it shouldn't be everything. Like I get really frustrated when people talk about like, it's not even just the Mar Rosen, like Donovan Mitchell. Like uh, I love watching Donovan Mitchell play basketball. I don't think that he should be an MVP or anything like that's duh. But like, I mean, people look at what he's doing and they're like, oh, well, he's just not that good or he's not this and he's not that. I'm like, dude, okay, at some point you have to stop and say, this guy's a good player. Maybe he's not all NBA or whatever, but he's the leading scorer on a team that would win 60 games in 82. And he just does a lot of really good things, even if it's not at the highest level, like that matters for something. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's um, the... 
you know, basketball, it's it's often compared to jazz in sort of a hackneyed way, right? So it's, that's the basketball is like jazz, man. It's also a joke about jazz music that people say a lot. It's like, it's not about the notes that they play. It's about the notes that they're not playing. You know, it's that's if you if you had a cartoon character that was talking about yeah. jazz, I'd probably put that line in there. And it made me think a lot about basketball in the sense that it's unique in major pro sports in that well, one of the reasons why I love basketball so much is that everything counts, right? So, you know, a NFL game, or like, well, you know, a, uh, sorry, a hockey game might be like two to one, right? Is it it's same thing with soccer. The NFL might be 21 to seven, but it's really three to one. Mm-hmm. That's the score of the game because it's, it's three touchdowns to one touchdown. You know, it wasn't 21 things that happened that they were, they did three things that scored. Um, basketball is the only sport where, you know, the final score is going to be, you know, 100 to 100. Really, the score is more like 50 to 40 because it's about 50 made buckets, 40 made buckets. I mean, you've got threes in there, you've got three throws, and we know how all that works. Mm-hmm. But there's so many things that do count that it amplifies mistakes. So when you don't do something that is way, way more important in basketball than it is in any other sport, you know, if you are playing um, uh, a game of hockey and you should have brought it over the middle, but you didn't, you went up the side and that ruined an offensive opportunity that's a bummer, but at the end of the game, like you probably weren't going to score. That's the overwhelming likelihood of every single possession is that you're just not going to score. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you do, it's an awesome success, and you break that down. That's a whole other sport. But with basketball, every time you don't score, it matters, you know. And a lot of uh, games are within five points, and like that's a couple of buckets. So there's this. You take that part of it and how many things count, and then you also add in how much freedom individual players have. It's a thing that's a little bit different than the NFL. Quarterbacks make decisions, obviously, but everybody else, you know, um, nobody criticizes Ezekiel Elliott, um, Elliott for how many carries he gets. There's an analytical argument that NFL teams run way too much. But that's not Ezekiel Elliott's fault. You know, he's just running back. They said, it's a running play. What's he supposed to do? Say, you know what? Actually, it'd not probably be a little yeah. bit more efficient to try to go for a seven-yard uh, digger. You know, no one says things like that because that's an insane thing to ask of an NFL player. But with an NBA player, it's constantly happening. Every single moment of um, when somebody has the ball, there's, you know, two to seven different options of things that they could do. And so um, that this uh, autonomy of the players combined with how much each score matters means that there is a huge emphasis on the decisions that they make that is way different than any other sport. And that's why we get to so many of these conversations where, I mean, like maybe it's like Jay Buter, the, the baseball player, he'd do nothing but hit home runs. You might say, well, maybe Chris Davis. Oh man. Yeah. What's that? Did you? Okay. So Chris Davis with the Orioles is one of my favorite examples. Cause okay. I, I don't know if you remember him. Like, I mean, he's, I think he still plays now, but like he had this ridiculous season with the Orioles leads the league in home runs. But I think he batted like 220 or something like that. <laughs> and then he got, I mean, he got the bag. I think he got like a five or six year deal. And I I don't think I think he's hit above 200 like once in like the three years since then. And it's just yeah. been like, yeah, it's it's rough. It's if if you talk to me like basically when Bobby Bonilla got the Bobby Bonilla deal, that's when I kind of stopped watching baseball. It's not related, it just happens mm-hmm. to be how my life worked out. But like you know, the Moneyball A's, I watched almost every game that season. And shortly after that, I just kind of stopped following baseball. So, uh, but yeah, it's like, 
if 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 you're not very good going forward, that that's one thing. And, and there are maybe some criticism of, of a player like even like Ichiro, like maybe he should try to go for you know more power than just kind of constantly getting hits. But this is very narrow stuff. It's not nearly at the level that it is where on Twitter all of these major brands are saying like Russell Westbrook is, you know, his teams win 75% of his games when he gets a triple double. Uh, this argument that Russell Westbrook isn't a good basketball player is just kind of the fact that it, what other sport would you have to say that? Is it, I mean, you might say, Oh, Peyton Manning, maybe he's not as successful in the playoffs, but he's still one of the all time greats. Maybe that, and you get a little bit of that, but like the argument is, is uh, Peyton Manning better than Tom Brady or not? Not like, is, Tom, is Peyton Manning worth it as a quarterback? No one ever makes that argument. And it's really hard to find examples in other sports of like, this guy is putting up great stats and is an all-star caliber player. But, you know, is Julio Jones really impact? You know, that doesn't, those kind of conversations don't really happen in any other sport. And I think that that's kind of interesting where, I had a million arguments with people about the Westbrook Harden MVP because it was fun. I like basketball. I like talking about basketball. Mm. It was a fun argument. And I was on the camp of Harden's season was better. Like just because it wasn't a round number of 10 and rebounds doesn't mean that he shouldn't get the MVP. I thought it was ridiculous. I argue about that a lot, but I would never say that Russell Westbrook wasn't an impactful player, that he wasn't an awesome player. And most importantly, that he wasn't amazing to watch. You know, he's, to me, definitely top five, maybe higher in just in-game dunking. You know, anytime he goes up and cocks that shoulder back, he just hits it with such power. I mean, it's like, it's him and Shaq, to me, with, or in Vince Carter. I mean, Vince Carter had a little more grace in that sort of sense, but like with how hard he dunks, he's got a, He's like one of the hardest dunkers ever. But so many plays that he makes in the, in the passes that he is able to pull off it's fun to watch Russell Westbrook play basketball. And like, I find myself early podcast day might've been like, Hey, you know, he's getting a lot of triple doubles, but you know, maybe that round number isn't quite as big a deal. And Harden's been better all the way to the side of like, wait, are we saying Russell Westbrook isn't good at all? Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, he's, he's one of the better point guards of all time. He's one of the better players in the NBA. He had some red stretches where he wasn't really shooting super well he could make better decisions in a way. I think it's entirely fair to say if he had played a little bit differently and held back certain opportunities, maybe his stats, counting stats go down a little bit, but maybe he'd impact winning better. That's fair to say, but like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, like have that basketball conversation, but still appreciate what he does. I'd much rather watch him play than uh, Drew Holiday. I mean, just to be honest with you. You know, you might argue that the the Bucks are better with Drew than with uh, Russell Westbrook, and you can have that conversation. But like, I'd never rather watch Russell Westbrook play basketball. And I feel like it has gotten to the point where that feels a little controversial sometimes for people to say. And I think that it's it's gone, you know, sort of in 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 the wrong direction. Another point about that is I think basketball's changed so much. It's also allowed that to come forth a little bit more because you talk about. Uh, Rudy Gay and DeMar DeRozan, you know, I never really thought about that until now that they both were Raptors and then both became Spurs. And like, you know, I think Pop sort of probably saw the same thing. Like these guys can play basketball. Two things happened. Uh, One, I think people's attitudes changed a little bit, but also like they just played better basketball under the Spurs. 
just a little bit of tweak here and there with kind of their decision making and their shot diet ended up making them unlocking kind of their winning potential a little bit. Like DeMar Rose is just playing different as a spur than he was as, as a Raptor. That's a factor of it too. You know, he's eschewed a little bit of the long jumpers a little bit more. Um, and that's just not as big a, a, a part of his sh- uh, uh, shot portfolio. And I think that we've just seen that ripple through in a lot of players too, where a lot of them just clean up stuff like that. How many jumpers would Demonis Simonis be taking in a different era? I oh, mean, man. he'd be taking six, seven a game. Well, yeah, I He's- mean, like I think about um, – I think the one of the craziest things I ever, I ever noticed, like when I really – dove in and watched a bunch of Jermaine O'Neal games for the first time was mm-hmm. how much he had the ball. Um, yeah. His year when he finished, what was it? Third in MVP voting. Um, he had a 36% usage rate, which is like, I mean, that would be just about number one in the NBA this year, like close to the top. It would be top 10, I believe. And I'm, I'm catching myself maybe without doing the research. I am going to look it up, but I don't feel like he hit 50% from the field a lot. either. He did not. His like, yeah, I think he, barely shot 40 percent from the field that year yeah it was not high and but like but then again like because i know people would go back and be like oh well that's just not good efficient basketball i'm like okay well looking at that year who is he and to say who is he passing to is reductive in a sense but like it's just a different era of basketball like Mm -hmm. jermaine o'neal was really good he wasn't i still would consider him just about a great player like he's very borderline for me like i think He's a guy who's like close to being a Hall of Famer, but probably won't get it if I mean if Chris Webber is not in at this point, Jermaine O'Neal is not going to be a Hall of Famer. But like just point being, like he was a really damn good basketball player, and I yeah. think you you put him in today's era, and it's like you you're he's doing things in a different way. Like he got to the free throw line a ton. Like in 0405, of course, that's the short and terrible year. Um, you know, that's he's getting to the line nine times a game. Like that's yeah. that's a lot. Um, yeah, and it's uh, 0304 is the year, and he shot 43% from the field, um, which again, not great, but like he was, he was just a good player, and um, you can't discount that. Like it, it, in that era, like it, it just was like, okay, well, let me pull up the 0304 team because that's, I mean, Ron is on on that team, and Ron was like fine offensively, but he wasn't exactly efficient either. But it, again, it's like basketball is just different then it was hard like i think we talk about like a lot like oh well you why isn't he just driving to the rim like well there's probably two seven footers playing on the other team so where <laughs> i mean where's the how is he getting to the rim is a good question like you know it's it's funny because you said because of the name changes and everything that's happened you said ron i was like is he talking about ron Mercer? <laughs> <laughs> yes yes the, the how could i forget about ron it's like, wow yeah it's, no it's like most years of jermaine o'neill's career from two-point range he was shooting like 43, 47%, somewhere around 45, hovering a lot. That just straight up wouldn't fly anywhere. There's no way that somebody would give any post player that many possessions with that sort of efficiency. And like, if we're talking about the past, it's a little bit of a separate conversation about how we evaluate the past. But like, wouldn't he not be an awesome, like, Clint Capella? You know, if he's just constantly rolling to the rim with his athleticism and size, I mean, is, would he not be finishing off lots of pick and rolls, um, especially with the floor being spread out the way that it would be in that era? He and Jamal Tinsley could have done that, um, uh, transported into a modern era where there's three excellent shooters around them. Uh, I mean, like three-point shooting has gotten so nuts in this league that, you know, if you shoot 38%, you're really not that great of a sharpshooter anymore, which is – 
at that time you would have been like what you'd be in the three-point shooting contest if you could do that yeah. with uh, with a few shots so uh, that's uh, that spacing would be a whole lot different he'd probably be allowed to operate in, in a slightly different way um but um yeah it's it, 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 taking what a player could do very well um and, and and you know really kind of appreciating that in, in an aesthetic way i think is sometimes uh something that that fans uh, uh don't appreciate enough and you mentioned demar de resin his ability to operate um and how important that is you know that's i think also makes me think of uh, kind of karis levert in, in the sense that he's got that ability to kind of create space and get off uh, shots change directions uh, and, and get off those kind of tough shots that we can see Pacers have lacked that, especially with, uh, when Victor Oladipo is hurt. And, you know, we kind of saw it last night a little bit. I mean, it's nice to have a little bit of that mixed in. Mm-hmm. I hope that Lavert goes through that kind of uh, shot diet school, I think, and unlocks the, uh, the rest of that potential of his ability to kind of uh, uh, either shoot off of the dribble and create space is something that you know you, you could talk all day about uh, Malcolm Brogdon's uh, 50 40 90 and you know how smart he is and how good he is he's a great player but he's also he just can't really do uh that sort of thing and um that's something that might be more valuable for the Pacers long term um but it's you know when you have moments like that and you see the vert hit those step back threes and you know you don't have to think about his shooting percentage over the last you know you know 30 games in order to kind of appreciate that yeah, no, and that brings up such a great point too because I uh, I have gotten a little bit frustrated in, in recent days. I try my best not to get frustrated with the fan base, but like I've seen multiple people say that uh, it's one of the it's one of the, my favorite parts about being on Twitter is getting frustrated. With the fans <laughs> yeah, the I try really hard. It really, really, really truly is. I try yeah, so hard to just be positive <laughs> all the time, man. But it's like, I mean, people are throwing out that Karis right now is better than Victor ever was. I'm like, that's just not true. Like, I mean, did we watch twenty? I mean, like. 2017-18 Victor Oladipo was a borderline top 10 player like he was that good and I think we discount that and especially too because like he did a, a lot no offense to Karis but he did he did a lot more defense than Karis is doing right now yeah. um and especially in the first half of that season yeah, exactly and that's not even to slight Karis at all it's just like it's important to keep things in mind like and also too I mean they're playing a completely different pace right now so I think um, I would have to adjust the numbers out for pace. It's probably like still similar. Um, but point being, like it's just it's it's a little bit different. But I mean, Karis' stretch since like the last eleven or twelve games has been absurd. Like I mean, yeah. I think he's averaging twenty five over the last three weeks of basketball on on pretty good efficiency. Um, but exactly, like, and I think it's easy to talk about it like this. But then you know, people can just boil it down to, oh, well, Karis is just isn't efficient enough. And it's like at the same point there's a reason for that. Like there's a reason why LeBron James is one of the most efficient players in basketball because he can be Karis LeVert. Like there are ways where he could be a more efficient player for sure. Like he could cut out some of the pull-up stuff, but like at the same time, the Pacers need him to hit those. Like they need, like they don't have guys who can create a ton of separation on their own or guys who can get to the rim at will. Like Malcolm can get to the rim, but finishing there is a whole other thing. Um, It's better for him when he's off ball. And we've seen that, but like point being, it's just like, it's so like that's why I get frustrated in looking at at this top down. Like when you talk about guys like Demar or like and Demar is like at a whole other level than than Karras is at or was I should say. Um, and like same thing with a guy like Rudy Gay. Like they are capable of being really good at what they're doing, 
but maybe not quite great. And there's like nothing wrong with that. And I just don't like, it's, it's frustrating that we have to like parse it down so much. And um, cause like so many people look like, even like, I, I try and just be in the middle, like, cause then I've seen people who are outside of like the Indiana's perspective and saying, Oh, well, Karis LeVert's just doing what he does, putting up a lot of points on a bad team. And I'm like, well, even then that's just entirely reductive. Like it's not just like meaningless crap that he's putting out there. They've won a bunch of these games because Karis has played really well and he's putting the team on his back and doing a lot that a lot of heavy lifting that has been required of him. And like, there's, there's something to it that matters. Like, no, it's not, you're, are, are you going to win a title with Karis LeVert as your best player? No. Like that. I mean, the odds of that are like five to 10%, you know, just not high. Uh, probably even less than that. But like point being, that doesn't matter to me. Like he's just good at what he does. And I think yeah. there's something to being good, even if you're not great. Like it's whatever. Yeah, that's that is very true true too. It made me think of you know when we talk about Donovan Mitchell, where I feel like sometimes teams even do this, and especially fans, lose sight of the fact that, you know, some of these plays that they're trying to make are are, are very, very tough. And they it takes a lot of mistakes, um, even, you know, in the context of a game uh, to be able to kind of get that feel and get it right. Mm-hmm. But when you do get it right, it, it, it is one of the most impactful ways that you can, you know, create shots off the dribble. Um, it's one of the most impactful things that you can do. Coaches talk about this all the time. I do believe that it's um, uh, very true that in the final minutes of a game, and in playoff games kind of extended uh, further into the game because of this, referees stop blowing the whistle. You know, if, if you want to score, you're going to have to do a little bit more than, oh, a guy bumped me, you know, I'm going to get a foul call. You're not going to get that foul call anymore. So now you have to kind of create a little bit. And I feel like Donovan Mitchell is a little bit more of a project for the Jazz where, you know, the Gobert does what he does. Jingles does what he does. Boyan does what he does. They Shout out Boyan for his 50-piece, man. Just about 50-piece. That was 48 <laughs> points. That was awesome to watch. I don't know if you watched that, but I watched it. I didn't see it. Oh, it's, it's, oh, it's it was so It was so great. Yeah. I love watching Boyan play. When he gets cooking, it's fun. But Donovan Mitchell is going to do stuff that – I mean, like when he was going, you know, toe-toe with Joel Murray, I mean, like Joe Ingles isn't going to do that. Exactly. You know, it's not going to happen there. And, like, you need a little bit of that, and there's going to be mistakes that come with that. It'd be awesome to have LeBron, like you said. It'd be awesome to have Kevin Durant. But if you want to, you want to win games and, and raise that ceiling, you gotta allow players to to, to do that a, a little bit. And um, I think that that's part of the journey too, you know. And once he realizes what the good two moves are gonna be, and kind of cuts out some of the things that aren't working as well, that's a project worth doing long term. Um, and it's a skill that um, even if someone is, you know, three years in to a career and they're taking a lot of shots like that. If that per shot average is real low, maybe it's a little concerning. Maybe you say long-term, they might have to change the, uh, 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 you know, how, the context of what they're going to be on, on the team a little bit, but you could still appreciate the fact that they have that talent, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's like sort of the, it's the Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony paradox where he probably maybe in certain situations, probably should have been a little bit better at, at moving the ball a little bit, maybe kind of had a usage rate that was a little bit too high, but he always had the eternal respect of everybody that plays basketball because it's like, no, one, no one can really do that kind of uh, uh side post uh, uh, moves as well as Carmelo Anthony does. 
and you you can have the two conversations at the same time where maybe the Knicks would be a little bit better if they did something else. Maybe he should adjust it a little bit and also acknowledge he's really, really awesome at isolation basketball. Like, you know, I feel like anytime someone says like, well, yeah, I mean, he could do that, but he's not winning. So who cares? I just think that that's a really stupid way to look at sports. It is know, because it's, you know, when you think of all the, the memories that you've had watching sports, I, I think it's really hard to say, oh man, you know, I was sitting with my son and it was the first game that he'd ever watched with me. And, you know, uh, George Hill oh, I missed really George. went over the top of that screen. And it was just a beautiful thing to watch. And my son looked at me and said, can I join a basketball? You know, like those conversations don't happen. I love George Hill. I mean, I've, I've, I've found a million wars online to defend his honor. He's one of my favorite Pacers in a way, but also like there's an art to the sport and it's okay to have fun and it's okay to appreciate someone and the amazing things that they do, even if it doesn't always win to uh, lead to uh, great winning basketball. And like I said, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a weird conversation to have because it used to be that you're kind of a heretic. If you were like, he's really good at isolation basketball, but maybe he should, you know, do play a little bit differently to maximize a chance to win. That was the hard thing. And now it's sort of like, it's okay to say Carmelo Anthony is awesome at basketball. Because he is. He's awesome at basketball. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, uh, Allen Iverson was incredible to watch. Um, think of all the players in the era and some of the guys that might have won a little bit more. Um, a lot of memories of them. I couldn't recall specific things, but there's a lot of specific moments of Allen Iverson that I can pull out. And that means something. It's, we're supposed to, eventually, it's supposed to be have fun. This, this does kind of, hey, let me bring it back into the Pacers a little bit here. I understand that people might want the Pacers to lose out in the in the play-in games just to get a better draft pick. And yes, that is something that could help them long term. And, and then, you know, if they obviously win the lottery, that would be a miracle that would really help out the Pacers. It's okay to watch one game, enjoy the fact that it's an elimination basketball game, and just have fun seeing them do what they do. You know, and if you think that Nate Bjorken has made like a small decision on a, you know, a, a rotation that you would have put a guy in two minutes earlier and you put it in two minutes. Late. It's okay to take a break from that and just enjoy an elimination basketball game with a team that you care about. Because at the end of the day, I do think that that people lose sight of this a little bit. I'm, I think surprisingly on the side of man, you know, if the, if the team's not doing very well from a team building perspective, it would be kind of cool to see them lose a whole bunch of games and get a top five pick and move on from there. But it's also okay to enjoy a playoff series and enjoy the fact that you're watching meaningful basketball and watching a team kind of go for it all in in a game that, that, that counts uh, towards the playoff standings, allow yourself that. Now, when the playing games are done, if the Pacers win a couple games and they end up in the first round and then they get knocked out in the first round, once that's done, switch the brain back over to like, man, I really, was that, it'd be cool if they got a draft pick. What are they going to do to build for the future? Is Kevin uh, uh, Pritchard on the hot seat? Should they fire Bjorkman? Who should be the new coach? All that sort of jazz. Just, But just give yourself a break while the games are happening. And just root for a win. And, and when they do something cool, just enjoy it. That's Because at the end of the day, you know, like, I just, I like watching basketball. That's what, that's what you're really in for um, at the end of the day take a break and enjoy it. When someone does something cool, it just acknowledge it for being cool. Worry about the team building implications a little bit later. Now I'm also saying this as someone that 
now thankfully doesn't have to cover the, the team in an intense way, and so I skipped a few games. So maybe, maybe <laughs> I, got a, I got a little bit more of an appetite for basketball than someone that's just been like, oh god, just let the season end, please. <laughs> I, I can, I can, yeah. I can get that. Well, you bring up you bring up good points too, because I think I want to close out on like our our guy Tony used to ask Domas a really good question the other day on um you know just I don't know if you saw this, but he, he posted on Twitter of like you know how are you guys thinking about like playoff seating and like uh, the draft picks and stuff like that. I don't, I don't mean to misquote Tony. I'll, I'll have to link to, to that. But um, you know, point being, it was just like asking Domas, you know, what is it like being in your position with where you're at right now? Like not guaranteed in, in a, in a actual playoff game and stuff like that. And how do you feel about going about that? And I think it's just, it's important to point to bring up. And I've talked about this on the pod many times, but like players are not tanking. Like they do not tank. Um, that's not a thing. And I can understand wanting the team to lose out and get a good draft pick. Cause I know I've seen people, you know, pretty full of ire in some of the games that they've won. Um, and I guess I get that from, from an aspect of wanting this team to be better next year, but at the same time, like these guys are here now and they're not interested in putting off everything for next year, regardless of the fact that they know they're, I mean, deep down, they know they're not going to do anything super symbolic of anything in the playoffs even if they get there but point being like they're still trying you know they like some of the guys don't have guaranteed deals next year they have no idea where they're going to be they don't know if they're going to be pacers so why should they give a shit about what what happens with the draft pick um you know they're like O'Shea Brissett until you know two weeks ago what's not even guaranteed to be on a roster next year like I mean that stuff matters and, and you can't discount it um and I ultimately agree with you. Like, I just want the team to looking at the team. I want to watch them grow somehow together. Like that, that's the goal every game. I don't care if it's a win or a loss. I just want to see them improve or just progress in certain areas. Like obviously you want them to, to win. It's easier to talk about a win than it is a loss and it's just better overall. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's what there is to look for in the remaining games and, and where they're headed. And um you know, obviously everything going on in the background makes it a little bit murky, but I agree. Just like turn it off for right now and uh, try and look forward to, to what's going on for sure. You know, it's a, a small conspiracy theory. The it's out in the open. Apparently what's been sort of going on behind the scenes with, with the, with the coaching and such, I heard, you know, Doug McDermott say, you know, Hey, we're going to play for each other and all that sort of jazz. They seem like they're playing with a little bit more, kind of pep in their step, so to speak. Do you think that they know <laughs> that Nate Bjorken is maybe not going to be there next year? And that's part of the reason why that they are playing with a little bit more spunk, so to speak. I, I, I don't, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I, it's kind of like, uh, well, okay, it's finally the elephant has been in the rim has been acknowledged. Let's just go out and play as hard as we can. And then we'll I think there's something to that. I, I mean, the, again, I have no idea. That's just speculation on our end. But like, I, I there's, I think there's some validity to that. Just like no, definitely one. speculation. There's probably some like relief to just being like, well, hey, we don't have to keep this under wraps anymore. Like this is uh this is out there. Um, and I think it's like it's good to be like I personally like I mean just because of like. A lot of that stuff, it's not just like bad strategy and stuff. It's like just actually being a bad person to people. And I, I don't stand by that. And I know you don't either. So I'm, I always keep that at the forefront. But yeah, um, point being like it's uh, it's been a year and it's been a weird year, too. But um, I'm looking if to- it was going to happen in a year, this is the year to do it. 
Yeah, I guess so. I guess that would be the way to put it. Um, no major free agents in the offseason. They have to worry about they're going to be like, screw this. Uh, you know, obviously the pandemic happening, the weird shortened season and all that sort of jazz. I mean, like, you know, if it's going to happen, this is a pretty good one. Yeah, definitely, man. I agree. So I got one last question before we get out of here that is yeah. not related to uh, to the Pacers at all. You were resident. Oh, some food. Is a food take coming this in? It's not a food take. Are you resident? Oh my gosh. Fan? Okay. All right. I can't believe we're not going to argue about food. In this we can argue about food, but like I, I do have to. Like, are you a Resident Evil fan? Because I've been playing Resident Evil Eight recently. Ah, no, it's really I've, good. I've, I've, like, I've never played a Resident Evil. Oh wow. Okay. Well, this totally you know tanks what I was going to talk about. But yeah, the new, you should check it out. The new Resident Evil game is great. Most yeah. of them are third person. This one is first person. Pretty, I saw the Barney thing. It's very off the off the off the rails. It's, it's a good game though. I enjoy it. Yeah, I should um, check it out. It's a. Did you see the Barney mod? There's a Barney mod. Yeah, somebody uh, put uh, place all the the evil zombies and whatnot with uh, Barneys. And, I will have to check it out because that sounds. Yeah, great. it's pretty good. Oh, I've been playing um, uh, Returnal. You know Returnal. Returnal. I don't. Yeah, it's a, a game for it's a PS5 exclusive. Oh. And it's uh it's a roguelite game, so you you have to start from the beginning every single time. Oh god! And then there's like five worlds. Yeah, it's it, it, it's fun for a while, and the combat's awesome. If you really like the haptic feedback on the controllers, it's a good showcase for it, and it's really fun to do that. But it's kind of like to beat the game, you have to like go without dying and play all these like there's like five boss levels, and of course they all have like twelve moves, and you have to memorize the moves and all those. Yeah, you have to play for like three and a half hours without dying straight through to win the game. I don't know if I can ever just, you know, care That's enough to do that. That's a long time to sit there. So I went back to Fall Guys and played Fall Guys all the time. <laughs> Fall Guys is fun. I, I love Fall Guys. Uh, I so watch my, my buddy play Fall Guys sometimes. Um, yeah, I'll never forget the uh, the very first time that I ever played Dark Souls was like, that was just awful. Um, it's, <laughs> it's awful. Like, it's fun. In some regards, but at the same time, too, it's just like it's too much. It's the uh, what is it? Because I think I was playing Dark Souls, I want to say it was Dark Souls 3, um, where it's like the uh, the gargoyles that come to life and you have to fight the gargoyles on top of like that. Uh, it's either a castle or a church, I can't remember. And I lost it like 15 times in a row. And then after that, I just deleted the game off my console. Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't handle this stress because I just come away, uh, like tense and feeling like I'm going to have a heart attack even though I'm 23 and it's just like yeah no it's not it's not good for me so no more dark souls yeah it's it's interesting where if you if you have to put too much into it i just i can't i can't get there i i would play rocket league all the time oh rocket league, the, great. Yeah, rocket, rocket league is great i love rocket league's great but the problem is that i leveled up to a point where i have to really focus to play well and I just got to a point where I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And so they won't let me, like, I guess I should create a new profile or something. But, like, I just want to go back to people being pretty good and just have some fun. And, like, you can't choose that. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, I don't like if you make one little mistake, someone's going to yell at me at the chat. And I don't want to. I, don't wanna, I <laughs> yeah. just don't want to I do way. not like having the chat in. Like, that's <laughs> one of my least favorite things. Uh, people are very passive aggressive in the chat, and I don't appreciate it. I uh, want to save. Yeah what a save (laughs) yeah every time you let up a goal what a save i'm like oh thanks dude i wasn't paying attention it is um however it is extremely satisfying to score the winning goal oh it is saved you especially final seconds in like eight what did it get like muted in the chat because you hit it too many times yeah 
I've, I've, I, I gotta admit, I've done that a few times. So, um, you know, I can't be too high and mighty about it, but, uh, yeah, I've been playing <laughs> lots of fall guys. I need to get a new, like real game, so to speak. I'm trying to think if there's any like real game that I've played. I've, I've like, I, I mean, I don't play video games that often. Be completely honest, not that much anymore. But like, I just miss Halo Two. Was the days for me, man. I think I was, I was in middle school when Halo Two came out. No, I was, because Halo Two came out in 2005, so I was eight. So I played Halo Two late because I didn't play it until middle school. But that was when I like first really got into games. And yeah, I think I, I honestly want to go through and like replay. Have you ever played Halo? Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I was yeah. guessing I mean, like Halo great. I, I I had a I had a I had a 360. That was the only Xbox I ever had. Oh, okay. So Halo three um, then. So didn't play a ton. You know, it, uh, I didn't have video games growing up. Like yeah. I played at friends' houses. I never owned a system, and so it took a while. Some people I'd go like college dorm. I'd go to some. You know, they'd be playing a first person shooter. The two sticks was a little hard. I was a little behind everybody on that because everybody had a few years of experience on that, and I hadn't gotten there yet, and that mm-hmm. made it real hard. But now. I I'm, I could do it enough that like I'll play some shooters and so like as new ones come out. But I'm, that's when one element of, of video gaming that I avoided for a long time. So I've never played like Halo straight up. I played Portal though. That's Portal like orange box. That game makes me mad, man. I'm so bad at like problem solving games because I just like think about it. I'm very uh, I don't think I'm like that analytical. I mean, I guess I am analytical in some ways, but like I don't like. I, or I shouldn't say that I don't like. I just get like very frustrated when I'm trying to relax and play a video game, <laughs> and they're like, "Well, how about you figure out how to get to this point, and we're gonna make it just hard enough that you have to really think about." It. I'm like, "Well, you know, I don't think I want to." That's um, that's definitely like that. I mean, that and the sequel, two of my favorite video games of all time. I'm very for like, me, whatever it is, yeah. it's just it's very relaxing to sit back and just think about the puzzle and figure it out and all that sort of stuff. I find that sort of. Uh, um, I find that relaxing. I prefer to uh, throw my headphones on and play Doom. That's, that's kind of where yeah. I'm at. A little bit of a change up from Portal, but yeah, it's, uh, Doom is pretty great. I've, I've been playing uh, uh, Doom Eternal a little bit. Oh, it's so good. It's a very, yeah. very vibrant and uh, gory, but yeah, I enjoy it. It also has an excellent use of uh, the heavy metal soundtrack. Yes. Because I'm, like, I'm not a metalhead by any means, but mm. like, in the right context... If I'm playing Doom Eternal, or if I'm at Kuma's eating a giant burger and drinking like a dark beer, like in those, <laughs> that's I don't want to I don't want to listen to anything else but that in those situations, and um, probably, um, in like NFL games, I think we probably use that's a that's a that's a fairly metal uh, 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 friendly atmosphere, I think at least for highlights and stuff. Um, I think that a lot of times the music choices in pro sports is pretty poor. I don't want to listen. Yeah. to I don't want to see a slam dunk and then listen like pop country. Like, this no, that's not, that's not. I right. just never want to listen to country, but that's, that's the whole <laughs> other story. But yeah, no, I don't know if you, if, if you watched any jazz, not jazz. Have you watched any Grizzlies games this year? Uh, because they have, bit. they have the best in arena music easily. They oh, yeah. have, uh, they played like the shaft theme song. Um, they play like just a lot of like, I think they played like some woo one time um it's great i love it i anytime that there is some like really good hip-hop thrown around or something jazzy i'm there for it yeah and you know memphis is a is a legendary music town i'm sure that that's uh, probably a, a part of it too indianapolis is not um, <laughs> yeah we've definitely had um you know some hey freddie gibbs freddie gibbs is from there so 
um, and uh, West Montgomery. You know, they play some play a little jazz guitar. I don't know who West Montgomery is. We're completely honest. Oh, really? Okay, he's 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 the greatest jazz guitarist of all time. Okay, I don't know that. He's from Indianapolis, and actually, Indiana Avenue in uh, in Indianapolis had a very historically significant and thriving jazz scene for a while. Um, Of course, back especially at the time that that happened, if you have a neighborhood that is thriving with uh, nothing but black people they, it doesn't last for very long which is very unfortunate and you know it, that's uh oscar robertson and uh, christmas addicts uh got it was in very close to that area too it's always been my if i got plopped into a netflix pitch meeting and i had to pitch something it would be a tv show about both west montgomery and oscar robertson ascending the fame at the same time in the same area of indianapolis and the inevitable kind of poo-pooing from the city that ruined that neighborhood that should be a historical landmark uh, that is famous throughout the world, but is a trivia fact now, um, which is really sad about that, the way that yeah. that evolved in Indianapolis, which is, but that would be, that would be, they've actually, uh, but you know, Madden CJ Walker was involved in the Indiana uh, Avenue scene. So they already have one TV show about the era, but it's uh, uh, a little bit uh, earlier than that. But um that would be my Netflix, the sequel, if you will, to the wildly successful Madam C.J. Walker <laughs> Netflix TV show. Well, I'll have to look that up, man. I'd never, I didn't know that. That's uh, that's yeah. really cool. I, I, I definitely need to check that out. It's, um, um uh, forgive me if I get this, Echoes of Indiana Avenue? Kyle Long uh, does a, uh, uh, a, uh, a show, and I believe it's a, there's a podcast form of it uh, for uh, WFYI, the local PBS station, that is uh, a whole... Um, history of music in Indianapolis, especially things that are not as well known. Almost always black artists in the city, which is pathetic. But um, you know, it, I mean, <laughs> pathetic that we don't know, um, and the fact that that they have to revive this in a, a historical context. Um, but he has a whole series of shows, and that focuses a lot on on, on that particular uh, uh, scene and area of town. So that'd be a thing to check out. And Kyle Long is a, a good guy to know for uh, that kind of information. Awesome! I'll definitely check that out. Well. Dave, this has been a really good time, man. I always, uh, I always enjoy getting to talk. I'm glad you reached out about doing this. Um, do you have uh, anything fun coming up that you want people to know about, or just uh, anything cool going on in your life? Um, no. Well, okay. So I, I, I like, like I said, I've been playing pickup. If you live in the area and you go to the Monon Center, I'm trying to play a lot at lunches uh, during the weekdays. So um, come get know. dunked on by Dave. <laughs> There's no. It's a no dunking gym. It's a oh, gym. oh, shit. And I don't think that I'll ever get back. In my athletic prime, I could dunk a women's basketball. It was small enough that I could palm it, and it was just enough that I could just get it. I could at least, I could at least Leslie dunk it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Remember the first dunk ever in the WNBA? Yep. Um, that I could do that, um, but um, uh, no dunking in there. Um, I've been riding my bike a lot too, which is a lot of just trying to get outside. You know, keep the mental and physical health going. That's. Uh, I'm trying to put a, a hundred miles a week on the, on the bikes. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. You got me beat there. I've been, yeah, me and my dog have been, he's right there in the background. Uh, we've been walking nonstop because he's very excited about being outside when it's nice out. So it's been good, man. I'm uh, it's kind of crazy that it's summer now, just about like we're, we're pretty close to summer. My, uh, I was talking to my dad the other day and he's like, oh yeah summer's coming up I'm like what are you talking about like it's spring just starting like oh wow i guess about a month from now so it's uh, yeah it's i think that wild. now that everybody's getting hopefully everybody 
is getting vaccinated up and, and all. Got my second tests. one coming up in one week. Oh, good. Okay, yeah, which one are you getting? That. Uh, I think I, I think I'm on Moderna. I can't remember. <laughs> I know I got it. That's uh, so <laughs> it'll happen. But they those things wrecked me, man. They, they yeah. Oh, I've been the first one was fine, so I'm, I'm interested to see how the second oh, one goes. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not playing. I couldn't even lift my arm up on that day. Oh yeah, my arm was really sore. I will say that it was a lot more sore than it usually has been for uh, for any vaccination I gotten. But worth now getting. that everybody's getting vaxxed up, it's nice to have like plans. Yeah, like that is, I think, the thing that'll. It just feels like it's been a timeless. Not in the not in a good way, but like yeah. a losing track of what day of the week it is, and it, it, uh, we've been in this mode for over a year now. And I think that once we finally get to like, hey, you want to come over next week? That's going to be the benchmarks that start to like get yeah. the wheels turning. And it doesn't feel like it's summer because it just doesn't feel like it's anything. Yeah, no, it, dude, it's kind of <laughs> wild too because I just was thinking about. It. I was like, wow. You and I have never actually met in real life because we've only oh. ever gotten to do Zooms because it's been uh, it has been life outside. So, um, yeah, we'll have to do that sometime this summer. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, I'll, I'll get a cookout going. It'll be fun. awesome, perfect. As long as there's no grill marks on it, we're all good. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you sure you don't want to argue my? Feelings? So what's your? So why? Why don't you? What's the? What's the what do you what's the deal? Why don't what's, <laughs> what why you into oh, I just the, think I grill marks are a false uh they're a they're a falsehood. Like there's nothing wrong inherently with grill marks, but I think there's a suburban idea that's come about that if there are grill marks on something, it is cooked right. And I just vehemently disagree with that. Like anytime you see something from Longhorn Steakhouse on TV, you have like the crossing grill marks. I'm like that does just it does nothing for me. It doesn't mean anything to me it actually might mean that you just cooked the shit out of something unnecessarily. So I, uh, um, yeah. Interesting. So I'm trying to think of a situation, like it might be, Hey, it's not the best cooked thing, but it's still like the ameliorated reaction. It still matters that you're, that you're, you're caramelizing that part of the, of the beef. I specifically got a grill with wide cast iron marks, not because I wouldn't necessarily wanted to have the, the, which by the way, it matters. The way that your food looks affects the way that it tastes. It just is what it is. It's just how the human brain works. And so like you get that nice cross pattern on it, then it's, you know, people like, Ooh, look, it looks pretty good. So that matters a little bit, but it's also, you get, you, you caramelize the meat. Like it's like that matters. I think that specifically to the taste, there's a, cause you can't, Obviously, if you get a cast iron uh, pan and you're doing it on the stovetop, you can get a lot of caramelization on it. But like, yeah. if you're doing it on a grill, that's the only chance that you get. I think that this the most underrated thing that people people get grills. They get grill plates that are just very very thin, and then you, you just you can't really get as much of that. Uh, but uh, it's you know that matters. It's part of the reason why you why you grill it a little bit. But. Uh, I have okay, so we've been talking for long enough. I think I can get a hot take off without getting too much heat on the timeline. Um, and this, <laughs> this is a very, very hot take. Um, Hide to the five people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have all this. I don't know why I've thought this, but ever since I was a kid, um, I will start by saying I've never. I'm not going to try it. It's not something I've ever thought about trying. But I've always thought that raw meat looks better than cooked meat. Like it looks okay. It looks tastier. Than, than cooked meat like i just i think that if you see chicken no not chicken okay i'm talking okay. about beef like uh, chicken looks okay. disgusting uncooked but like 
I've always thought like a, a porterhouse or ribeye that hasn't been cooked yet looks way better than a than a cooked one for whatever it reason. It does have like a it has like a because we in pop culture we show it raw. Yeah. In a way that we dealt with chicken and other meats. I think that that's a that's a because if you if you showed a steak like a emoji of a steak, it's going to be an uncooked steak. Yeah. You know, it's never a cooked steak, which is kind of an interesting uh, uh, observation that I hadn't really uh, thought of about. Uh, until now, are, are you a sushi fan? Are you a sushi? Oh, I love fan? sushi. Yeah, I love sushi. Sashimi's great. Okay. Um, I just wish it wasn't so expensive. This is the only thing. I but, know. But then, if it wasn't so expensive, I'd probably be getting food poisoning because the meat wouldn't be as high <laughs> quality. But um, it is last. like if you can get a giant sashimi plate, it's it's hard to not feel like a million bucks after you ate that. In my opinion. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I lived when I lived in Columbus. There was this place that I went. I think it was like the cheapest thing you could get was like 30 bucks because of how like high quality the meat was. And I, I mean, when I was, I mean, you're living in a city single working full time and you had, I mean, it's like, dude, like I lived in an apartment that I shared with two roommates. So I paid like what, like $400 a month in rent. So I felt like I was Bill Gates pretty much. So I would go there (laughs) like, like once a month just to treat myself with some of my friends. And uh, now I think about like $30 for a meal. What are we doing here? But yeah, I, uh, I hope now. Now I really want sushi, man. But sushi's good, and you know, ramen's good. That's why I get a lot of uh, rare steaks, medium rare steaks. Is that's that's part of it too. You're trying to get the the that raw taste of um, of it in there. So I guess it's I guess it's not that that hot of a take, I, I suppose, because you don't well, it's prefer definitely not hot meat without. Cooked, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't prefer meat without grill marks. You just think that it's maybe a little overblown. Because I yes. mean, honestly, if you want a really, really good steak, um, I just I mean, would rather have something cooked in a cast iron pan. Frankly, I think it's better in a cast iron pan than on a grill. Yeah. I don't think that's crazy. Yeah, you know? like people who cook burgers on grills, just like oh God, I just I get that it's probably more convenient if you have like a giant party and you want to cook for like thirty people. Then by all means, use a grill. But if you're cooking for yourself, just use a cast iron pan. It's better. Um. I'm not going to give you time for a rebuttal. Um, you're not allowed to rebuttal that. <laughs> if it's a smash burger, if you make smash burgers at home, I'm with you. Because you can't, I mean, you, can't, you literally can't do that on the grill. Yeah. But if you got that big, thicker one, I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe not. But you know what? I guess you got to come over for a cookout. That's what definitely, <laughs> man. Awesome. Well, Dave, this was a great time, man. Uh, I really appreciate this. To everyone listening, of course, follow Dave on Twitter at MillerTimePod. Uh, follow me at M. Schindler MBA if you don't follow me already. And most importantly, just have a good rest of your day. Thank you for listening.